This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, my name is Diana Campbell, and I am pleased to be here with you for today's macular degeneration chat, all your questions answered about AMD. I'll refer, and our speaker will also refer to uh, both macular degeneration and AMD. Just wanted to make that clear for everybody. Um, for those of you who are new to our chat series, this chat is brought to you today by Bright Focus Foundation. We fund some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ultimately cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. Now I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Dr. Joshua Deneev. Dr. Deneev is a professor of ophthalmology at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania. He cared for patients with macular degeneration from 2000 to 2018 when he decided to devote his time to macular degeneration research. Dr. Deneev serves as the vice chair of research for his department and chair of an NIH grant review study section. He has actively kept up with all the clinical developments. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Diana. Good to be with you and to be able to reach so many patients and their families and friends with the latest information. We've got a lot of great questions coming up, so let's dig right in. Um, first of all, and we've gotten a lot of questions about this, we had some really exciting news last month. Um, Cyfovri, the first ever treatment for geographic atrophy, was approved by the FDA. Um, we also get a lot of questions about geographic atrophy itself. Um, so let's start kind of with the basics of geographic atrophy, or GA. Uh, can you walk us through the progression from dry AMD to geographic atrophy and what constitutes a diagnosis? Sure. So uh, macular degeneration is very rare among people younger than 55, uh, but quite common as people get older than 55. Up to 20% of the population will have some form of AMD over the age of 80. And the first sign of it is actually asymptomatic. It's something that can be detected by an ophthalmologist or an optometrist when they look into the eye uh, through the uh, pupil. And uh, what they see in somebody with early macular degeneration is these little white dots under the retina uh, this is here called drusen, D-R-U-S-E-N, and that's a German word that means pebble. So it's as if they had little pebbles under the retina. And again, this is usually asymptomatic. It's just an indication that patients with drusen are at an increased risk of losing vision at some point in the future, which is not to say that everybody with drusen is definitely going to lose vision in the future. It's just an increased risk. And the, the risk is determined by the number of drusen, the size of drusen, and some other things about the appearance of the retina that we can go into a little bit later. Now, some people will progress from just having drusen to having something called geographic atrophy. And geographic atrophy is kind of what it sounds like. It's an, a, a patch, kind of like um, a continent, think like uh, Australia, uh, a patch in the shape of Australia, 
where the uh, retinal cells that sense light have died. And uh, this patch will expand over time. Uh, once it starts, it will uh, expand. And the, the patch causes a blind spot because the, the cells in the retina that sense light uh, have died. And um, therefore, that area of retina can no longer sense the light. So people with a little patch of geographic atrophy might be looking at somebody's face and notice um, that uh, part of their nose is missing or that one of their eyes is missing, or they might be trying to read and notice that um, a few of the uh, words or letters uh, on the page are, are missing. Or they might be looking at something that we call an Amsler grid, which is a graph that we uh, give out to patients. And we recommend that patients look at that graph uh, closing one eye at a time, actually, because um, if one eye has geographic atrophy and the other doesn't, the good eye will uh, substitute the image and you won't notice that uh, there's, there's a problem. So using one eye at a time, uh, look at this graph and see if you can see all the lines. You look right at the central dot and make sure you can see all the lines on the graph. If some of them are missing, uh, that could be a sign of some geographic atrophy. Thank you for that description. <clears throat> so it's really that, I guess, as that kind of continent grows, um, at some point then you're diagnosed with, um, or you've progressed to geographic atrophy rather than um, just having dry AMD. Um, so given, given that description and that background, how does Cyfovri, um, the medication that was just approved, work in the eye? Yeah, so um, Cyfovri is the first drug that FDA approves now for geographic atrophy. And uh, what it does is to slow down the rate of growth of that patch of atrophy or that continent. Uh, it doesn't uh, restore vision that was already lost. It doesn't shrink the size of that blind spot, unfortunately. But it does slow down the rate of growth of the blind spot um, by as much as uh, somewhere between uh, 25, 25 to 36%, uh, depending on uh, what period of the clinical trials uh, you look at. The clinical trials were done in uh, many patients. Uh, over 12,000 injections were done in the clinical trials, and uh, these uh, patients tended to do the best uh, in the uh, late, later parts of the trial. They were followed over um, two years, uh, and uh, they were given an injection every month for, uh, of this drug into the eye uh, for two years. And the, um, the, the slowing of the, uh, of the geographic atrophy expansion seemed to be uh, most pronounced towards the end of the study, which suggests that um, it could be the longer patient stay on this drug, the better they'll do. Now, uh, an injection into the eye sounds like uh, really uh, an awful thing. Um, and um, I, I have ha had to sit down with my patients and 
uh, really explain what it's going to be like uh, before they um, undertake one of these, understandably. Uh, fortunately, we can numb the eye with uh, eye drops and uh, by holding a little um, Q-tip on the eye, soaked with numbing medicine, uh, and then clean the eye very carefully, uh, and then inject the uh, medicine uh, right in, into the center of the eye to a needle that's tiny, like the width of a hair. And it only takes a few seconds, and it's a little uncomfortable, but most people think it's uh, nowhere near as bad as they uh, initially felt it, uh, it would be. Um, so this, this drug uh, does slow the, uh, the rate of growth of the atrophy, thereby uh, over time uh, protecting some of that, uh, that vision that could have been lost if the atrophy had spread um, as it normally would without uh, treatment. Great, and, and definitely uh, better than the other alternative of continuing to lose vision um, as well. What suggestions do you have for people who are interested in, in Cyfovri or who may even wonder if they have GA? What are the types of questions that they should be asking their doctor? Yeah, well, that's a good question in and of itself. Um, so they should ask their doctor if, they, if the doctor thinks they're a good candidate for Cyfovri. Um, some patients may um, not think that the uh, 25 to 35% slowing uh, rate is, uh, is worth getting uh, injections in the eye uh, every month to, uh, to prevent. Uh, it is a commitment, a time commitment for the patient and uh, for whoever's bringing the patient uh, to the office every month. It is a little bit uncomfortable to get the injection. Um, and there, is a, uh, there are some risks. Uh, not, not, not real bad, but um, there are some risks. So the uh, most common uh, complication is um, actually something called wet macular degeneration, which is where uh, new blood vessels grow into the retina and leak and bleed and, and cause some damage. Uh, this happens in about 2% um, of patients who aren't treated uh, with cyclovery. And um, about 7% of patients who are treated uh, every other month and 12% of patients who are treated every month. Um, so it, uh, it does, the injections do increase the risk of wet macular degeneration. Now, a wet macular degeneration can be treated with, <clears throat> with um, kind of ironically with another injection of a different drug uh, that blocks a protein called VEGF. VEGF uh, promotes blood vessel growth, and these treatments block VEGF. So uh, patients who uh, start to develop wet macular degeneration could get uh, both cyclovery and uh, anti-VEGF injections, keep the wet macular degeneration in check, uh, while also uh, slowing the uh, progression of the geographic atrophy. Great. Um, I know there are a couple other trials um, ongoing that will have results um, kind of on the heels of the Cyfovri approval. Um, there's Zymora. Uh, we've also had a question about the IONIS trial for geographic atrophy. 
What ongoing trials look promising to you, both for um, dry AMD or geographic atrophy, as well as wet AMD? Yeah, so um, the um, next drug that is uh, likely to be approved for um, geographic atrophy is uh, Zymora, as you mentioned. Um, so Zymora actually uh, it targets a, a different um, target, but in the same pathway as Cyfovri. So Cyfovri uh, targets a protein called complement, uh, which is a component of the immune system. So it's been shown uh, over the past uh, decade or more that uh, the complement cascade, uh, again, part of the immune system uh, promotes macular degeneration. And that was shown through uh, genetic evidence and also uh, by looking at uh, eyes that were donated after death from people who had macular degeneration and seeing that, uh, that complement is uh, actually activated uh, in, in these eyes. Um, so, that, so for over a decade, researchers thought that probably targeting complement would be helpful uh, for patients with macular degeneration. And um, these uh, trials from uh, Zimora and Cyfovri are, uh, are evidence that this is correct, correct that uh, blocking this inflammatory complement cascade uh, does uh, help. It does slow the expansion of geographic atrophy. So uh, Zymora uh, targets uh, a different complement protein. It's called C5, while uh, Cyfovri targets its upstream partner called C3. Uh, and in the trials, the results seem pretty similar between uh, Zymora and Cyfovri. The benefits seem about the same. The side effects seem about the same. Um, so probably Zymora is going to get approved too. Um, you'll probably ask me next which one I think is going to be better, and um, I, I won't be able to tell you that because they haven't been compared in a trial head-to-head, uh, -head. Uh, so uh, it's hard to say, but um, they both do um, seem to work. Oh, that's really um, exciting that there will be options. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it sure does. Um, and the IONIS trial um, also is uh, targeting a, um, a complement uh, component. Uh, so uh, same pathway, but yet another uh, complement protein in that pathway. Uh, so that one uh, could potentially work uh, as well. We'll have to see how the, uh, the clinical trials uh, pan out. And, um, if we look at the uh, wet macular degeneration uh, world, uh, probably what we're going to see is kind of a competition among these drugs to see which one uh, needs to be injected the least frequently and still have a good effect. Because uh, patients are always asking, uh, do I really need to get an injection every month? Could I come every other month? And, uh, or, even, or even less frequently. And in the case of uh, wet macular degeneration, fortunately, uh, we have had uh, anti-VEGF drugs that uh, have been developed uh, that last longer than the original. So the original uh, FDA-approved uh, drug 
uh, was Lucentis, and that one works best uh, when it's given um, once once every four weeks. Uh, but there are uh, other drugs now. Um, but there's uh, Avastin, uh, which um, lasts uh, well about the um, lasts about the same amount of time uh, as uh, Lucentis, and then there's Ilea, uh, which um, which lasts uh, a little bit longer than uh, Lucentis. Um, so that one was uh, the most popular for a while. Uh, and then now there's uh, there's another one that's uh, just come out uh, fairly uh, recently, um, and uh, that one lasts even longer. It's called the Bismo, uh, and that one is a little different because it targets not only VEGF but also another protein that promotes blood vessel growth called ANG2, A-N-G-2. Um, so. Again, I think we're going to be seeing the same thing with the um, complement, anti-complement drugs. We'll, we'll be seeing them lasting longer and longer, so patients won't need to get these injections so frequently. Um, and we may even be seeing some gene therapy where uh, one, it'll be a one-and-done, just one shot where the gene therapy uh, lasts for years and uh, keeps the macular degeneration at bay. There's a lot on the horizon. That's really exciting. Sure so these next questions, we've, we've gotten a handful of questions um, from Anna, Catherine, and Mary about um, the potential for stem cells to grow new RPE cells or to be used in therapy. Uh, what can you share about research in this area? So um, stem cells are an exciting area. Uh, and um, they, they, so what are stem cells, first of all? Uh, they are... Um, cells that have the potential to turn into lots of different cell types. So um, you, could, you can take stem, stem cells and um, uh, coach them to turn into um, retina cells and, uh, and then implant them into the retina. And uh, stem cells can actually be made from skin cells or blood cells. Um, and um, and then coached to turn into eye cells. Amazing technology. And um, these can be grown on uh, sheets of biodegradable material, rolled up, unfolded under the retina, and then um, uh, left there to, uh, to take up residence. And they do survive for uh, at least a year that human clinical trials show. Um, it's not yet clear whether these are going to uh, restore vision. There's uh, some uh, very small trials suggesting that they might, um, but uh, I think so far that the clinical trials are looking pretty optimistic uh, for, for this. Uh, one word of caution is not patients, please don't get any type of stem cell uh, trial for the eye uh, outside any type of therapy outside of a clinical trial. Um, there are some uh, practitioners who will give uh, risky stem cell treatments that are um, not sanctioned through clinical trials, and uh, a few people have gone blind as a result of that. So uh, be, beware of, of that. 
Thank you for that very important caveat. Um, I'm really, really glad you mentioned that. Um, <clears throat> another kind of hot topic, it seems, uh, in terms of the questions we received this month are about zebrafish. What makes zebrafish so interesting in studying AMD, and what hope might they provide? Yeah, so that's a fantastic question. Um, zebrafish eyes are special because when the vision cells die, they regenerate. Um, and uh, that is unfortunately not something that uh, our eyes uh, can do, and um, most other uh, animals can't do that, but uh, zebrafish can. So researchers are, um, are looking at zebrafish eyes to, to understand um, how they can do this. And what they've discovered is that there's a type of support cell in the ret that's normally in uh, all retinas it's called the glial cell. Uh, and these glial cells can turn into light-sensitive photoreceptors when the photoreceptors have died. Our glial cells can't do that. So researchers are uh, looking at differences between uh, zebrafish glial cells and our glial cells to see if we can figure out how to, um, how to get our glial cells to turn into photoreceptors when the photoreceptors have uh, died. There's actually a researcher here at the University of Pennsylvania, Shea Institute. She's sitting about uh, 1,000 feet from me right now on the other side of the floor. And uh, her name is Dr. Catherine Uhazy. And she's a, one of the people who's very actively engaged in understanding these differences between zebrafish and, uh, and human uh, glial cells and trying to uh, convince photoreceptors, convince them to become photoreceptors or transplant photoreceptors to replace uh, photoreceptors that have died in uh, patients with macular degeneration and uh, other retinal diseases. So in this case, it sounds like they would help to restore vision um, rather than kind of stop progression or slow progression. Is that accurate? It is, yeah. So everything else that um, we've been talking about up till now is um, designed mainly to um, prevent vis further vision loss. The, um, there isn't much um, recovery of, of lost vision uh, from, well, not from the um, anti-complement therapies for geographic atrophy. The um, anti-VEGF therapies for wet macular degeneration actually can uh, bring back some uh, vision that was lost because they reduce the amount of uh, blood vessel leakage and swelling in the retina, and then uh, sometimes patients will experience improvement in their vision after the anti-VEGF drugs have dried up the retina. Um, but yeah, this is uh, transplanting uh, lost vision cells is a way that patients with, for example, geographic atrophy might be able to regain some vision that they've lost because of uh, an area of atrophic uh, dead uh, vision cells. Wow, how exciting is that? <laughs> um, I'll ask one last question about um, potential new treatments and clinical trials before we switch gears. Um, we received a few questions about um, people traveling to Europe to access Valeda and another about the LightSight trial here in the U.S. 
how does this treatment work and when might it be available in the U.S.? Yeah, this is an interesting thing. It's a device, Veleda, it's um, or uh, made by a company called Lumithera. Uh, it's a device um, that shines a light into the eye um, that is thought to be helpful for uh, patients with uh, macular degeneration. It uses something called photobiomodulation, uh, which is where uh, specific wavelengths of light are thought to uh, be beneficial because they can um, be absorbed by uh, proteins in the mitochondria, the uh, power center of the cell, and help them to function more efficiently. And there is evidence of uh, problems with a mitochondrial function in, in AMD. So it's, uh, it's plausible that um, this type of uh, treatment could be uh, beneficial. Um, and uh, the way it works is uh, patients go in uh, to this machine and they get exposure to certain wavelengths of light for about five minutes. Uh, and they get um, nine treatments over the course of uh, a month. And then a clinical trial, they then uh, waited six months and they got another nine treatments. Um, and their uh, visual acuity was, uh, was followed over time. And uh, in, uh, in a uh, phase three trial, actually, um, the patients did pretty well. They gained on the whole uh, about uh, a line of uh, visual acuity, uh, you know, a line on the eye chart um, on average. And um, also, the, the risk of going from uh, just drusen uh, to uh, geographic atrophy uh, was uh, reduced in this, uh, in this trial. So there weren't that many patients who got geographic atrophy, so that's not uh, a really definitive uh, finding. Uh, but the uh, improvement of visual acuity by a line is, um, is, is encouraging. Um, the, uh, the light is, um, is brighter than uh, that, that you get exposed to in this. It's, it's brighter than room light, um, but uh, less uh, intense than like looking at the sun. And uh, it, I think it should be safe, this, this light intensity uh, and, uh, and fairly short duration. Um, so uh, I would say this is looking uh, promising based on the clinical trials, if, if not entirely proven that uh, it's uh, effective and um, uh, not maybe probably safe, but uh, I think we need to see a little bit more uh, data from this over time to, uh, to be sure. Now, it is available in, um, in Europe, as, as you mentioned. Uh, it is not yet approved by the FDA, and uh, I'm guessing they're looking at it now because the uh, clinical trials have been done, and uh, I don't know if or, or when they, uh, they might approve it. But it's, uh, it's an, interesting, an interesting option. Yeah, very different kind of approach and angle. Um, we'll definitely keep track of, um, you know, of, of its path uh, through potential approval or not. 
Um, I'm going to switch gears to um, folks with questions either about diagnosis, um, progression, and otherwise managing um, macular degeneration. Uh, we have Joanne who was just diagnosed with wet AMD and is wondering how well the injections will stop it from progressing and is nervous about what her future might hold. Uh, what can you say about, um, about that? Yeah, so um, fortunately, uh, these injections exist now. Uh, back when I started seeing patients in uh, the year 2000, uh, they didn't, and there really wasn't much we could do. Patients diagnosed with wet uh, AMD would almost always lose a, a lot of vision. Uh, but these uh, anti-VEGF drugs are, uh, are good at uh, helping people maintain their vision and, uh, and sometimes gain uh, a little bit of vision. Uh, but patients really have to keep up with uh, their visits uh, at the frequency that the doctor recommends in order to get the maximum benefit from it and uh, try to maintain their reading and hopefully driving uh, vision. Um, it's, you know, it's, as I said, it's not easy for people to come to the uh, to get these injections once a month, or in some cases every other month. Uh, um, things happen, and uh, you know, life happens, and you can't always can't always get there. And then you might um, have uh, leaking, uh, bleeding blood vessels for a while that cause some permanent damage during that uh, interval. Um, so I'd say. Um, Things are looking much better than they uh, than they would have in the year 2000. And if Joanne, if you keep up with the uh, injections as recommended by your ophthalmologist, you have a good chance of uh, keeping pretty good vision in that eye. That's great advice. Um, how about the progression of dry AMD? Um, people are wondering how quickly it progresses, and if you have it in only one eye so far, how likely is it that the other eye will be affected? So uh, most patients who have uh, drusen um, in uh, one eye will have it in both eyes. Uh, it's very unusual to uh, have it in only, only one eye. Um, and uh, that's what we call early macular degeneration. So patients with just drusen um, can uh, keep good vision for their their uh, their whole life with no treatment if they if they never progress to um, either wet macular degeneration or geographic atrophy or or some patients even get both in uh, in the same eye or uh, or wet macular degeneration in one eye and geographic atrophy in the other. Um, the, uh, the risk of progression to from drusen to geographic atrophy or wet AMD uh, depends on the, the no a number of risk factors. Uh, so the risk factors are the uh, number of drusen, more drusen is higher risk, the size of the drusen, so larger drusen are uh, a higher risk. Uh, also there can be uh, little spots of pigmentation uh, in the retina. That, uh, that are a, a risk indicator, uh, and, and uh, actually high blood pressure is an additional risk factor. Um, so depending on the number of risk factors, a patient might have uh, anywhere from a 10% chance of developing uh, geographic atrophy or wet AMD over the next five years, or if they already have um, 
geographic FC or uh, wet AMD in one eye, the risk would be about uh, 50% mm -hmm. for the other eye over the next five years. Uh, so an ophthalmologist uh, can look in uh, patient size and really give them a pretty good estimate of what their, uh, what their risk is gonna be um, over, over the, next, uh, the next five years. Um, but there, there are things that, that uh, patients can do once they're diagnosed with cruisin to, uh, to reduce the risk. Um, so those things include uh, stopping smoking. Uh, smoking is very much a risk factor. So um, stopping it is, uh, is certainly gonna be helpful. And then uh, also eating a diet that is um, healthy. And uh, yeah, what do I mean by that? Everybody says healthy diet. Um, the epidemiology says that uh, people who eat a uh, plant-rich diet, lots of uh, green leafies in particular, some fruit, um, some, uh, and some fatty fish, uh, twice a, fatty fish twice a week, uh, uh, is associated with lower risk. And by fatty fish, I mean uh, salmon, sardines, tuna, uh, mackerel. Uh, it's thought that the, uh, the, the oils in the fish may be uh, protective, although uh, that prompted researchers to see if uh, fish oil supplements might be uh, protective, uh, and they're not. So you have to eat the fish, not just the uh, fish oil supplements. Well, that's a really important thing to note. Um, two quick follow-ups to that. Um, one person just asked, um, how will I know I'm at the wet stage? So if they've got the drusen um, both, how will they know they're um, progressing to wet AMD? And how often should they be uh, checking in with their eye doctor to, um, to watch for that? Yeah, good question. So um, the best way for uh, a patient at home to know if they're developing wet AMD is to uh, cover one eye at a time and look at this Amsler grid um, with the reading glasses on uh, and uh, with one eye, again, one eye covered at a time. And look at the central dot and if you see missing wavy or distorted lines, uh, that can be an indication of uh, wet AMD. Now you need to kind of establish a baseline for yourself uh, you may, patients may have already some missing or wavy lines, and if the ophthalmologist says, oh, you don't have wet AMD right now, well, that's your baseline, and then uh, if you notice something that changes from that, that can signal that you've developed uh, wet AMD. It may become more obvious, like, um, you know, you could read with that eye one day and the next day you can't, uh, but it's, uh, sometimes it's... Uh, it's more uh, subtle. Um, and the, the uh, ophthalmologist has a great tool for detecting wet AMD that's called optical coherence tomography. Uh, this is a type of uh, camera. It gives a cross-section view of the retina within a few seconds and shows whether new blood vessels have leaked fluid into the retina. And that's a, also a really good way to follow the effectiveness of these uh, injections for wet AMD that block VEGF because the uh, amount of uh, leaky fluid in the retina will be reduced 
on these images uh, if the treatment is uh, working. Great. Um, this next question, you kind of already answered part of it, um, but this comes from Deborah, and she's asking, aside from arid vitamins, are there other complementary approaches that could be helpful? Um, you kind of covered diet. Um, she mentioned acupuncture, vascular improvements, and then um, we've had a few questions about other types of supplements. Yeah, so um, arid vitamins were shown to be protective. So ARID stands for Age-Related Eye Disease Study, which was an NIH-funded study done over 10 years. And uh, they took uh, people who had drusen and randomized them to receive either uh, ARID antioxidant or um, placebo, and then followed them to see who developed advanced macular degeneration, either wet AMD or geographic atrophy. And the uh, arid vitamins uh, reduce the risk of, um, of progression to advanced AMD by 25% uh, in uh, patients who started out at uh, a fairly high risk of uh, progression based on the number and size of bruising. So ophthalmologists or optometrists might um, recommend arid vitamins if a patient has enough bruising and they're large enough uh, to uh, qualify as being at uh, uh, significant risk for, uh, in, for progression of the disease. The A-reds vitamins contain um, uh, lutein and zeaxanthin, which are uh, carotenoids related to um, beta-carotene, but also contain vitamin C, vitamin E, um, and the minerals uh, zinc and uh, copper. Um, and uh, these uh, didn't cause problems in uh, the, the study patients who took them, so they're, uh, they're considered safe at least over the course of, uh, of 10 years to, to take these A-red uh, vitamins. I will um, offer a warning that there are many types of eye vitamins that are sold over the counter and the only formula that was proven to be helpful is ARES. So you need to look at the bottle and make sure it says ARES, actually ARES 2 formula because it was refined in a second study. So look for ARES 2 formula. Um, and uh, the brand that I prefer is called uh, Preservision, like preserve, preserves your vision. I have no commercial relationship with uh, Gauch and Lam, which makes preservation, but the National Eye Institute did test the ingredients in lots of different eye vitamins and found that um, Gauch and Lam preservation really contains what's on the label, whereas uh, some of the others um, did not. And uh, you probably know that uh, the vitamin industry is not well regulated. So um, some of the vitamins that you can buy in the drugstore really um, don't contain uh, what's on the label. Uh, so again, Bausch and Lomb Preservation, it's the ARID2 formula. It's the uh, one that I recommend. Great, I think that's a really important thing to mention as well. Um, let's, uh, we only have a little bit of time left. Let's shift over um, to cataracts. Uh, we received various questions about cataracts and 
um, how they might impact AMD or, or vice versa. Are there considerations to make um, when considering having a cataract removed? And the next question was, can surgery cause the onset of wet AMD? Yeah, good question. Um, so the, the first issue is um, that uh, both AMD and cataract can cause reduced vision. So um, a, an ophthalmologist has to um, figure out for the patient with reduced vision, is it being caused by the AMD, by the cataract, or both? And um, there are ways to help uh, that the ophthalmologist can, can figure that out in the office. Um, if uh, the ophthalmologist recommends uh, having the cataract removed to improve the vision, uh, studies have shown that does not increase the risk of AMD progression. Um, so uh, that's, that's okay. Um, the surgery does not cause the onset of wet AMD. Uh, one thing to watch out for is if somebody already has wet AMD and they're getting injections uh, for the wet AMD and they need to have their cataracts out, then the ophthalmologist will figure out the best timing for the injections relative to the cataract surgery. Uh, that's an important thing uh, to, to, uh, keep it, to keep in mind. But yes, it is okay to have cataract surgery in general for uh, patients with AMD. It's not uh, typically gonna make the AMD worse. That's great to know. That's very reassuring. Um, well, we've kind of run out of time at this point for questions. Um, to all the people listening today, I sincerely hope you found today's chat helpful. Uh, our next chat will be on Wednesday, April 26th, and we will be discussing managing wet AMD, basics, and treatment. And that leaves us um, with any final remarks you have, Dr. Deneff. Are there any um, last tips you'd like to share with the listeners today? Um, thanks, Diana, for the uh, opportunity to uh, share this information. Uh, and uh, I want to thank the Bright Focus Foundation for um, this uh, patient education and uh, also for funding the promising uh, research for uh, AMD to develop the next line of treatments that will be even better than what we have now. Thank you so much, and we really appreciate your partnership and in informing, you know, both the listeners today, but also everybody online with the expert articles that you do and, and all the other things we've done together. So thank you as well. My pleasure. Okay. Um, with that, this will conclude the Bright Focus Macular Chat. Thanks so much for joining us today. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.